with Tieta Dishmaya, we're going to continue with the bringing down on Ahavas Israel that's brought down by the base Halevi. So let's continue with our uh, lessons. So this is something very interesting. Now, the base Halevi, right now, we're going to go into discussion on what is Sinachinam, which is baseless hatred. And this is something we have to pay attention to because baseless hatred or sinachinam can mean a lot of things that we don't even realize that it's what that means. So let's pay attention and focus on something so important because our temple was destroyed because of baseless hatred, sinachinam. At the bottom line of everything, it was actually destroyed because there was no bitahon and Hashem, Karos Baruch Hu, because if we truly had Bitahon and our Creator, then we wouldn't have baseless hatred, because we would know, know without a reasonable doubt, that everything that happens only happens because it comes from Kados Baruch Hu himself. So that being said, let's understand the underpinnings of the destruction of the temple. It's written in Eicha, a sin has Jerusalem sinned, Therefore, a wanderer has she become. All who once respect her disdain her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself sighs and turns away. Her impurity is in her hands. She did not keep in mind the consequences. She has sunk astonishingly. There is no one to comfort her. See, Hashem, my misery, for the enemy has made himself great. So one is able to explain the consequence of the verses. As the lamenter complained and explained the difference between the destruction of the first temple and the destruction of the second temple. And in that area, in that era of the first temple, the sin was of worship of stars, constellations, and immoral relationships and murder. While in the era of the second temple, the sin was that of baseless hatred. So indeed, nearly all of the sins have a time or circumstance which they are permitted when they are permitted. For in the case of danger to life, they are permitted. For anything may be used to heal, except for Abodazarah, idol worship, immorality, and murder. And that in these instances, one must allow himself to be killed and not transgress. And so, if so, regarding the remainder of the sins, the noun, the word used to describe the sin, is not inherently a sin. For after all, their act is not a sin, unless it is combined with an additional detail. So, for example, if at that time when the act was done, there was no coercion or danger, shalom, or the like, but these three, the noun, for example, the word used to describe the sin, of the three cardinal sins is inherently a sin since they are prohibited in all circumstances and they are never permitted this is as the verse says that in the beginning in the first temple era jerusalem sinned an obvious sin for they transgressed these three things therefore they were like a nidah a menstruant indeed the difference between a nidah and a zava is that the purification of Anida is dependent on the passage of days. So that if she sees a discharge of blood one time, she is impure for seven days. Whether she saw blood again or whether she did not see it, 
No matter what, her state of impurity continues for seven days. And after seven days, ceases from her. However, the impurity of a ziva can continue forever. For her impurity is not dependent on time. Rather, she's required to cease the discharge of blood and to count seven days clean. So therefore, regarding the first temple, the exile was to last 70 years. And even if they would have repented, they would have been compelled to remain in exile for this period of time. At the end of the 70-year period, they would be redeemed, even if they had not repented or done teshuva. However, pay attention, guys, here. However, regarding the second temple, regarding the second temple, the current exile is not dependent on the specific number of days, but only on purification and teshuva and repentance. If they would repent, they would be redeemed. Since they did not repent, after all, this exile has continued for this extended time, and the matter of redemption is dependent only on Teshuvah. And that is what the verse says. That during the first temple, a sin has Jerusalem sinned. Therefore, they were like a Nidah. All who once respected her disdained her. For they have seen her nakedness. Their sin was revealed. She herself sighs and turns away due to the fact that it was revealed. Meaning that the sins were obvious. And in no way could they have been permitted the sin was revealed to all with everyone recognizing the, the the nature of his own actions and how corrupted they are so therefore when they were exiled they repented from their evil deeds indeed while they were exiled in babylon they did not commit these three cardinal sins and that's what it says she also sighs over her deeds and turns away meaning that she repented and did teshuva on her deeds that were not proper but however during the second temple era when there was among them the sin of baseless hatred the gemara stated regarding this their sin was not revealed this means that their sin in this instance was not recognized and so obvious for everyone rationalizes in his mind that justice and integrity are with him but he sees the disgrace and deficiency of his fellow. So therefore, even in exile, they did not repent from this sin of theirs. To the contrary, the severity of exile and lack of livelihood is even further cause for hatred and a division of hearts. And this is what the scripture writes. Her defilement is on her hems. In the second temple era, her defilement was hidden in the crevices of the stuff until even the person himself does not recognize what he is lacking. She did not keep in mind the consequences. This means that she, she did not look within herself to be aware of what evil degree the hatred will bring her. For hatred, in addition to its intrinsic evil, is moreover the basis for all the evils in the world that sprout from it. She has sunk astonishingly. There is no one to comfort her. For she is unaware of any time when she will be redeemed, which would console her. Since her sin was not revealed, the end of her punishment was also not revealed. So see Hashem, my misery, for the enemy has made himself great. This means that the enemy, who is the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, and the nations of the world, 
that is bad enough that they are is that they Israel did not repent by means of exile. To the contrary, the hatred and division of hearts increase through exile as the enemy keeps growing in magnitude. So our sages of blessed memory said that any generation in whose days the temple is not rebuilt, it's as if it were destroyed in its days. So the matter is that with regard to people, if one loves his fellow, he gives him a gift. And if he doesn't like him, he will not give him a gift. So likewise, the size of the gift is dependent on the magnitude of the love. And according to the value of the love, so is the value of the gift. And likewise, if he does not love his fellow and would not give him a gift, in any event, what he had already given him, he would not take it back from him. Only if the hatred has already intensified, it is possible that he will take it back from him, what he had already given him when he loved him. The reason for this is that regarding humanity, there is a significant difference between giving something and taking it back from him depending on the object's value and the effort involved in taking it back. It requires a vastly intensified hatred to rescind what he gave him. However, regarding the Holy One, Blessed Be He, the giving and the taking back are both equal and, and one is no more difficult than the other. So therefore, if one sees a generation to whom he does not grant the Bektamikdash, it's a sign that the actions of the generation are the cause to the degree that if they had the temple, he would have taken it from them. For if according to the deeds of the generation, it would not have been destroyed in their days and it would have been built for them anew. That is what is meant by as if it were destroyed in their day. So indeed the sages said, from the day that the temple was destroyed, there's no day whose curse is not greater than its fellow. And the exile was magnified and the destruction amplified on its own. For there is no comparison between something that was recently destroyed, but its re remembrance and remnants still endure, to something destroyed a long ago. For every day the devastation and desolation increases. If so, the previous generation did not have as great a devastation in comparison to the generation that followed. One is compelled to say that the deeds of the prior generation would not have caused anything but the destruction that happened then. Regarding the later generation whose destruction was far greater, as was already explained, this is a sign that if the generation would have had a temple, their deeds would have caused it surely to be destroyed, as happened in the earlier generation days. And this is what we say in Slichot. We have been guiltier than any other people. We have been more ashamed than any other generation. Seized was our beloved temple, his shrine. Our holy temple has been destroyed because of our inequities. And this is a sign that we are worse. We're worse than every preceding generation. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And so let's let's talk about, as you can see, how how serious it is to have sinachinam, how serious it is to have hatred in your heart, because even though a person can forgive someone, let's say you forgive, you have a situation with someone, and let's say you have a little argument, right, what happens is you can forgive them, or they, they think that you forgave them, but let's say you still hold in your heart that bitterness, and you still hold resentment towards your, your fellow Jew, 
you are it's that's baseless hatred that's baseless hatred because you're not revealing it you're concealing it and that's what happened back then in the second temple everyone went around it's like a, a pretense but in their hearts they had that hatred they had the hatred for their fellow they blamed people they had they, they, you know they, they weren't happy about someone else's success they had no respect for each other outwardly was one thing but in their hearts was something else do you understand how dangerous this is and because of that our temple was destroyed the second temple and to this day thousands of years later we're still waiting for it to be rebuilt which means that if we don't have it in our generation because we don't deserve it so even more so how important it is today today right now which what we can do to, to remove that hatred from our hearts remove it from our hearts love every jew love every fellow jew have a havas israel don't see anything bad in anyone because since when are we cleaner our home is cleaner than the next one we the fact that we sell all, all sin differently we all sin differently so we have to have love for every single jew because the only the only only person but the only source that knows that jews process and purpose in this world is only hashem not you not me we don't have ruach akodesh and we can pretend to have ruach akodesh and if someone did something to you and it was distasteful or it hurt you in any way okay too let me say something to you a reality check that was hashem it was not the person the person was only the tool that hashem used to do what happened to you so we have to what take a step back and do hashbon nefesh in ourselves and do teshuva within ourselves to find out why did hashem have to use this person as a tool to do what happened or to have happened what happened to me we have to that's our fault it's our responsibility so we have to we have to always look to shemaim because nothing nothing in this world happens unless it's decreed first from above nothing happens unless it's not first decreed first from above and people that come and do something or hurt you in any way or whatever that all is hashem all hashem all we don't know what happened in this life we don't know what could have happened in another gilgul we don't know the purpose of why that had to happen and maybe we'll never know in this lifetime maybe we'll only know when we go to the world of ms or maybe we'll see it from in the future when we go out years and years far out we'll get to see a reason for it hashem and his benevolence and his kindness will let us see it but nothing changes from the fact that it was all hashem it's all and only kadosh baruch Hu. so with that being said there's no reason to have hate to anyone there's no reason to have hate for a fellow jew what because hashem used them as the stick to get your attention you should hate him instead instead we have to hate the the cause the reason why that person had to be used for such a situation we have to look into ourselves and look inward not outward and that's something we all have to learn it's not good enough that you forgive people it's not good that you go around and you say i love them i love them i love them i love them and then inside your heart you don't and then you have hatred or you have you have some remnants or some residue of something that's not so nice for that fellow get rid of it guys get rid of it cleanse it detox yourself now because that's what's preventing us all from having the temple that is what is the cause and what was the cause and is the reason why we no longer have a temple today so if we really want our temple back clean your own house clean your own house clean yourself internally and start to really be that 
of what you are inside be that on the outside too in other words love but really love your fellow jew you don't have to be your you know you don't have to take him in your house and associate whatever you I'm not, no one's saying for you to do that but you have to have to always have good thoughts about a fellow yid i don't care if they're religious or not religious i don't care if they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing okay that's a shem's hashbon to do with that person and we don't even know if maybe that's not a sin who says that we have that work of kodesh meanwhile we're not a judging juror we're not the base then we don't go around judging people on the contrary you give them kafhut you give them kafhut every jew you give kafhut and you love them inside and you and you send the blessing and then you pray for them if they're doing something that's not so whatever obviously against the torah you pray that hashem should help them pray that hashem should help them but never hate never ever have a hatred or something in your heart that is opposite of loving them so i want to also bring down here the base levy that brings down um that people often don't realize that they are committing the sin of sinat hinam because each person thinks that he's right so when he sees his friends deficiencies and flaws the result of such hatred can be very disastrous and, and this cop uh, concept is echoed by Rav Natali Zvi Berlin known as the Netziv and he writes that during the time of the second Bektamidash the people were pious they were righteous they toiled in Torah but they had sinachinam they suspected each other of not being sufficiently religious <laughs> look at that guys does it sound familiar everyone suspected his fellow of being a zadoki a saduci and a heretic because of the religious divisions of the time the people were caught up in this religious hatred that led to bloodshed in an extremely shocking way it caused terrible horrible events to occur in the world and eventually led to the destruction of the bektamidash and that is why the netziv writes the torah states in devarim about hashem Hashem is righteous and upright. Hashem doesn't tolerate people who seem righteous but are not straight. He, they must be yashar, upright as well. They must have integrity and be fair-minded. It's interesting to note that the very first murder in history when Cain killed Hevel was the outcome of a religious dispute regarding Korbanos. Huh? How do you like that? This is an eye-opening concept. People often label others as sinners. We're so quick to do that, right? Someone's making an avera. Oh, they're not like me. I'm the one that's doing it right. They're doing it wrong and the like. Thus, justifying their hatred, which causes arguments and conflicts amongst the Jewish people. But religion never, ever justifies evil. So, so a sin committed, a sin committed without clear knowledge of its severity can be worse than a sin that was performed knowingly because such a person will not realize how important it is that he does that he does the uh, teshuva the sin of the golden calf is an example of this the torah states in shemot that moshe broke the tablets not when hashem told him that the jews sinned but when he saw them dancing as he descended from mount sinai so why why only then so the Sephorno explains that it was because their dancing indicated that they felt no guilt with regard to their sin and therefore they were far from teshuva but there's a positive side to this the altar of kelm points out that to teach a rule that hashem's reward is 500 times greater than his punishment and as a torah shmot says states punishment impacts four generations four whereas the impact of reward is only is for two thousand generations do you understand the difference even with all that how compassionate our god is 
So it therefore follows that if a lack of remorse for a sin causes a sin to be to become supercharged, then enthusiasm for a mitzvah exponentially supercharges the mitzvah multiple times more. And true, one who embarrasses his friend forfeits his portion in the world to come because he doesn't feel regret with regard to his mistake. But imagine the reward one receives performing a mitzvah and being besimcha about it. The reward is 500 times greater. Are you listening, guys? Pay attention. So let's not focus on the downside of the person who does not feel remorse. Let's focus on the opposite, on the great reward that we receive for having the proper feeling and appreciation for doing a mitzvah. And we have to we have to understand that it's for our benefit. You have to get that. Contemplating in our dire situation in Galut can sometimes be so depressing. And we're going to right now, right? The Hofetzheim writes in his Sefer, Machanei Israel, uh, that we have to realize that with all that we have gone through, we must know, we have to know that Hashem's intention is not to harm us. He's a loving father who is rebuking his son in order for his son to improve. Rather, the Pasuk says, just as a father will chastise his son, his attention is that his son should not should turn around, should do teshuva. And therefore, we should say to ourselves, the greater the punishment, the greater the concern, the more severe the surgery, the more severe the disease, and the more the need for treatment. So after all hearing all of this, after hearing all of this, we shouldn't just bemoan how terrible the galut is. We should realize that it's all coming from our loving father who is begging us to do teshuva. And Rav Shoma Wobi would say that sometimes after tragedies like we just had, was people say it was Midas Hadin is Hashem's attribute of strict justice, but Rav Wolbe used a different expression. It's Midas Hadin Tovea Shelemus. Hashem's attribute of justice is demanding perfection. So we have to look at what just happened to us, guys, that Hashem had to use who? A, a, a Rashaim, a, a, a Melekim, to, as a stick to get our attention on being an Abdut. On doing for each other. And having love for Klad Israel. We were before that as you all know. Everyone was in their corner. Everybody was right. The left was this way. The right was that way. Everyone and people didn't even get involved. They stayed quiet. That too is also, it's, it's also a sin. To, to, to stay quiet and pretend like it's not happening to you, all right? And so everyone in their own little world, not caring what anybody else is going through, pointing fingers, sp shedding hatred, right? And accusing each other and just being vile, vile to each other. And Hashem said, no, no more. I'm going to, now I'm going to use a rod. I'm going to give you, and I'm going to catch your attention, and I'm going to give you a patch. Now, let me tell you something. That was a patch, if anybody knows the intricacies of what happened on October 7th, and, and, and we could say it was a patch, we don't want to know. We don't want to know what a real smack on the head is. We don't want to know. If that was a patch, we don't want to know what the rest, and we should ever look at that, that we should experience such a thing. On the contrary, use that patch. To get in Akdut. Use that patch to be in loving mode with your fellow Jew. Be Use that patch that you saw which affected all of us and can affect any one of us at 
any given time. By the way, if you don't know that, I don't care where we're holding. I don't care. You could be in the most poshest, most beautiful estate in the world, full of diamonds and gold. I don't care where you are. Israel has one of the most best defense systems in the world. And how that happened and how it came in was clearly the hands of Kadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem laughed at the world saying, you think that you are in control? I'm the one in control. So if a person thinks that their gashmut is going to protect or give them some type of comfort while everyone else is being uncomfortable, they have something else coming to them. Guys, you need to, we all need to change. We all need to really start to really dig in. And like we've all been doing, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, the nation has awoken. The nation has started to come together and we're together as one. But let not be that this fury or this fury of being in Agdu right now, right now, starts to wear off. Because what happens is, Time will pass, and then all of a sudden, people will go back. Hasve shalom, we should go back to the way that we were before. Hasve shalom, that we should go back in that in that mode, which is the same mode that caused us to receive this patch. Because next time, it's not going to be this patch. It was going to be a, a hit. So what I'm saying to everyone is, please examine yourselves. Really go out of your way. There's been so much beautiful adud and so much love of Claudia Israel and everyone is sharing and caring and doing and you have no idea what we're seeing right now. It's creating the open miracles that we're seeing in the world. The open miracles that we're seeing out in the field with the soldiers are only as a result of the adud and the chesed that the Claudia Israel is doing for each other. Nothing more. This These merits are giving Hashem the ability, because this this world is in a cause and effect system, and we need the merits in order for Hashem to do these miracles and do outward revealed miracles so that the world can see who our God is. But we have to give Hashem a reason. We have to give Hashem a reason to do that, not the reason to do the patch. We have to give them a reason to to earn and re, and return to us our temple. And the only way we're going to do that, guys, I'm telling you right now, is massive actud and massive hesed. And if we're, we're not on that train, there's something wrong with you. And I'm telling you, check yourself. Get on that train, even if you don't want to. And detox yourself. Detoxify yourself from anything that's preventing you from getting on that train. And be an Akdud and be one because we are all together. We're all one of the same. No one is any better than anybody else. And everything and anything that you are is only because of Hashem. It's nothing to do with you. And the fact that we're all in this together, which means that we all come from Hashem. By loving your fellow Jew, you're loving Hashem. You're showing love to your creator. And so I also want to bring down that the Gemara states that after a person leaves this world, the heavenly court will ask him six questions, right? The fourth question is, did you look forward to Hashem's salvation? And this refers to our yearning for the salvation of the final redemption. And it says also included in the requirement of anticipating the salvation is to arouse ourselves to remove sinachinam baseless hatred from our hearts since the Bethlehem dash cannot be rebuilt until we remedy the cause of destruction which was Sinachinam so therefore how could a person look forward to the rebuilding of the Bethlehem dash if his actions or the lack of actions is itself the cause of the destruction so a person must work on the mitzvah of Ahavaz Israel, not just because it's a mitzvah but because it's included in this question did you look forward to Hashem salvation? And the Hofetz Haim writes very similarly, we are constantly praying for the building of the Beit HaMikdash, but how can we be praying for it at the same time that we are causing it not to be rebuilt? 
So one goal that we have, the Sefetz Emes, writes that the cause of Sinahinam is division. When everyone is working on his own and not united as one team, there is conflict and hatred. So how do we become united? How do we come united as one? It's when we realize that we are all here for one purpose. We're only here, guys, in this world. For those that you don't that don't, don't know this, and I'm hoping that everyone does, the only reason we're in this world is to serve Hashem. If we would truly understand that we share this one goal and mission, there will be no divisiveness and separation amongst the Jewish people. As if Emma shares an interesting insight, and we know that the Jewish people experienced four exiles regarding from the exodus of Egypt, the Torah, and Shemot, uses four different words to describe the redemption. And I will take you out, and I will save you, and I will redeem you, and I will take you. So the Tzephas MS write that these four words correspond to the four exiles. Regarding the last exile, Hashem says, I will take you. Meaning that the only way to be redeemed from this exile is through rectifying the sin of Sinaf Hinan. But how do we rectify the sin? By recognizing that we, and all Jews are here for only one thing, to serve Kadosh Baruch Hu, to serve Hashem in unity and acting on it, acting. And another thing is when Yaakov Avinu left Beersheba on his way to Haran, he stopped at Har Hamoriah. And while he was there, he laid down to rest and placed some stones around his head. And the, the sages teach that those stones began to argue, each one wanting Yaakov to place his head upon it. So Hashem then miraculously combined all the stones into one single stone. So the Midrash, the Midrash and Bereshit Rabbah quote a dispute among the sages as to how many stones Yaakov Avinu gathered. And the Rabbanan maintained that he took two stones because Abraham did not merit that all of his children were righteous as one of his sons was Ishmael. Yitzhak as well had a rebellious son, Esav. But as for me, said Yaakov, if these two stones combine as one, that's a sign that all of my children will follow in my ways. And what's the meaning of these two stones? The Nachalas Yaakov explains that Yaakov saw prophetically that there would be two divisions in his descendants, the kingdom of Yehuda and the kingdom of Ephraim. So Yaakov Avinu was afraid that eventually his people would be destroyed because the Jewish people cannot survive when there is strife. Cannot, cannot. Yaakov Avinu therefore said that if the stones join together, that would be a sign that the two divisions of his people would ultimately unite. And when he saw that the, stone, the stones joined, he knew that the Jewish people would always exist. So the Nachalas Yaakov adds that this is the meaning of each stone, saying, the Sadiq should rest his head on me. So while the word Sadiq refers to Yaakov, the Nachalas Yaakov explains that it could also refer to Hashem. Although the Jews will be split in, in, in many groups, Nevertheless, the Jewish people's arguments will be Lashem Shemayim for the sake of heaven. So each group wants Hashem to be with it. And that's the source of many disputes among Torah Jews. But in the end, we will all unite. And the Shukan Aruk cites the custom of many people to put a stone under their heads when going to sleep in the night of, Tish, uh, of, of, um, of Tisha Be'av as a sign of mourning. So the Ramah adds, adds that this is done in remembrance of Yaakov who placed the stone under his head when he saw the mountain open upon which the Beit Abidash would stand for he foresaw its destruction as well. So based on the Nachalas Yaakov we can explain that Yaakov Avinu wasn't placing the stone under his head as a sign of mourning he was alluding to Sinachinam, the reason that the Beit Amidash was destroyed. But if we will all unite as one, guys, like the stones that became one, we will merit 
um, we will merit the rebuilding of the Bet Hamikdash because we too should recognize that the Bet Hamikdash will be will be rebuilt when we are all united as one stone and we stay together. We say together with one voice. We want the Sadiq Hashem, so to speak, to put his head on all of us. And so we hope that all our disputes are for the sake of Hashem and his Torah. Let it be only for Lashem Shemaim. So we still have work to do, guys, because after Yosef reveals, with Yosef Hasadik, after he reveals his identity to his brothers, the long-lost brother Yosef and Benjamin were united. Reunited after not seeing each other for like 22 years. They fell upon each other, kissed and cried. And Yosef cried on Benjamin's neck, and Benjamin cried on Yosef's neck. And what did Rashi explain here? Rashi explained that Yosef was crying for the two Batei Mikdash that would be built in Benjamin's portion of Eretz Israel and that would eventually be destroyed. And Benjamin crying on Yosef's neck for the Mishkan and Shiloh that would be destroyed. So Rabbi Liyahu Zvei asked the obvious question. These two brothers hadn't seen each other for so many years and they're crying about events that would happen like hundreds of years later. And furthermore, why specifically now? After their reunion, did they cry over this? And, and what about the years they were together before Yosef was sold to Egypt? So he explains that when meeting after all those years, the brothers were hoping that they had atoned for the sin of their hatred and fighting with Yosef. But the brothers were now united as one. Their grievances were behind them. And hopefully they were on track to have a Havas Israel. They wanted to see whether they had fully achieved their goal of unity. So they looked into the future with Ruach HaKodesh. But they saw that no, they had not yet rectified that sin. The Bet Amidash would eventually be destroyed because the brotherly love would not endure. And that's what they cried about. Not because of the future, but due to their current situation. As sad as this is, Rabetzalel Pinchasi, Rosh Yeshiva, Yeshiva Berkas, Ephraim, and Bnei Brak puts a positive twist on this. Look at what happened. Yosef cried over Benjamin's Bet Amidash, and Benjamin cried about Yosef's Mishkan, but neither cried for his own loss. He cried for the other's loss. And that's true of Havas Israel, guys. True, they didn't fully achieve it then, but we can achieve it now. We can do this now. Two great Hasidic Rebbe's had lost their entire dynasties in the Holocaust. One said to the other, I can't cry for my own losses, for my congregation that perished. For on that, I have to say, Gamzu Tova, and to accept it. But I can cry over your loss, your dynasty that was destroyed, and your congregation that was lost. And each hugged each other, and they cried over the other's losses with such a Havas Israel. May we sing soon, Bezat Hashem, speedily in our days, the rebuilding Bezat Hashem of the Bet Midash. Bezat Hashem, Rivono Olam. So with this being said, guys, I hope you let this sink into your hearts and really, really be mindful and pay attention and don't let the buzz wear out. Get it stronger. Let's be stronger. Let be the, Let us be that one stone. Let us unite together because we have to keep in mind and we have to know that the only reason, the only reason that you are in this world, the only reason that I am in this world is only to serve Hashem. It's only to reveal Hashem. It's only to do that. And to do that, you have to be united as one. That's the only way it's going to be done. So if we know and we're wise and we really want the temple, get out of your own way. 
clean yourself internally and start to really plug into Klal Israel. Bezat Hashem, we should be Zoyhet to see the temple now, soon, right now in our days full of love that we should all have for each other and Hashem should bring our temple so the whole world can see that we have a God. We have a God of Israel and He's our God and we are His. Baruch Adonai, Amen ve Amen.